God, you taught me to trust you. You show me how to believe. You're the author and the finisher of what you started me. So I'm not gonna doubt it. I'm gonna hold on to peace. Cause if I have you and nothing else, I still have everything. All right, go to Colossians. This has been my stomping grounds for the last two weeks. Wonderful to hear manifestations, tongues, interpretation, prophecy, so powerful, prayers. I know we discussed this a few weeks ago, but you know none of you guys know what I was going to share today. And yet prayers and the manifestations, the discussion, everything just lines up what I want to share. I, I want to read through the book of Colossians. It's only four chapters, so don't anybody get afraid. It's not like we're doing Psalms or Isaiah or something. Colossians is in in the order of the uh, church epistles. You'll remember, you know, it's it's a correctional uh, epistle, though. You know, I, I don't like to pigeonhole the, the Word of God like that, uh, because you, you just read these books and get what you get out of it as the Spirit inspires you, as God teaches you, the Lord teaches you. But you'll see, you know, just by reading it, it was written as a response to those who came along after Paul showed up in Colossae and was saying, no, no, you need something more than, you know, the sacred secret. You need something more than Christ in you. And, uh, you know, you need to be circumcised or you need to wear this robe or you got to have the special underwear or, you know, and the, the book of Colossians speaks of the supremacy of Christ, the completeness of Christ, the fulfilled work of Christ. It magnifies God's glorified Christ, his finished work in us and our responsibility to that. And I, I was thinking about that word in prayer, responsibility, responsibility, response, our response. And God gives us the ability to respond in Christ. It's not our ability. It's God's ability in Christ, in us, responding to what we already have. And that takes all the pressure off of me. Okay. I mean, there's stuff I got to do, you know, because I'm the one in control up here. God's not in control. I'm in control of me. Free will is absolute. God in Christ in you, a supernatural transformation. And uh, we as Christians, when we look back in our past, and, you know, we're a mature group. Praise God. We've been standing for many years. We can look back in our past and say, thank God I am not that person anymore. That's the great miracle of my life. Who I was versus who I have become in Christ. What a healing. What a deliverance. Right. Amen. Colossians chapter one, a verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who are Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Many Christians don't understand that Apostle Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. He was the guy who received the revelation of the sacred secret, God in Christ in us. And uh, they're living, most of them, in the Gospels or revelation, both. And they miss this entire doctrine, reproof and correction of the, of the church epistles. It's very sad. We need to help direct them to Paul and to the revelation of Jesus Christ through Paul. Mm. Verse three, we always give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For we heard of your 
trust in Christ Jesus and love that you have for all the holy ones because of the hope that is being stored up for you in heaven, which you have already heard about that is in the message of truth, that is the good news that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it is also doing that among you from the day you heard it and understood the grace of God for what it truly is. There are people that you will meet in the world that will just not believe the word. They will not believe the word. You remember Jesus teaching about the sheep and the goats? It's it's just that simple. I, I was praying on this the other day. Do, do we know why they won't believe? No, it's not my job, not my business, not my monkey, not my circus again, right? Uh, my job is to speak the word, speak the truth, and maybe maybe they'll choose to believe it, maybe they won't. And that is their responsibility, and they'll have to answer before the Lord Jesus Christ for those choices, right? But it is those that believe the truth that see these great changes, these great fruit-bearing aspects of their lives. And uh, I'm not going to say it's automatic, but if you believe the Word of God and act on it, which, you know, believing implies, you will bear fruit. Whether, you know, it's five, ten, a hundredfold, it's, you will see, see fruit in your life. And again, I ask you to look back in your life and see the things that have happened, the changes that have gone on. Um, it's very encouraging. Verse 7, you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also told us about your love in the Spirit. Somebody's got to show up and speak the word. Uh, Any volunteers? Yes, thank you. That's us. Because of this, because of their response, hearing the truth and their response to it, and because of their love in the Spirit, because of this, from the day we heard about it, we have not stopped praying for you and asking. Now, this is a great prayer asking for you to be filled with the knowledge of His will, along with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that, here's a purpose, so that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being empowered with all power by means of His glorious might, so that you will have all endurance and patience, giving thanks with joy to the Father, who has, past tense, qualified you to share in the inheritance of the Holy Ones in the kingdom of light. Now that's a prayer. You want to pray for me? Pray that for me. Wisdom, understanding, power, might, walking in the kingdom of the light. That's what we want. Verse 13, he rescued us, past tense, from the authority of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. He Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, because in connection with him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things are held together. And this is talking about the creation of the new order, the creation of the new heavenly order. You know, Jesus Christ has sat down at the right hand of God, and he is number two. He's the one sitting at the right hand of God, directing things, and all are in subjection to him. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. 
he is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that he would come to have first place in everything. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him, God was pleased to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. I mean, this is the complete, fulfilled, total work of Jesus Christ for us. There is nothing that needs to be added. I mean, what can you add to all the fullness of God? And yet people say, well, you got to do this. You got to get the circumcision. You got to wear the underwear. You got to go to church on Sunday. Verse 21, and you were once alienated from God and enemies in your mind as shown by your evil works. Thinking about this while we were praying, praying about what's going on in the world. You know, man, for all his supposed evolution and sophistication and uh, humanitarianism is, look at the world, look what's going on. Is there anything that has changed? Wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilence. I mean, the news is still a potpourri of sin and wickedness and evil. It's not good stuff. And it is those evil works that demonstrate the true nature of mankind. We all need a savior. Verse 22, but, God, you got to love big buts when it comes to the word of God. But now by his body of flesh, he has, past tense, reconciled you through his death to present you holy and without blemish and blameless in his presence. If, now, We're talking about being holy and without blemish and blameless in his presence. This is a process. This is going from alienated from God and evil works to holy, blameless, without blemish. It's a process. How do we do this? If indeed you continue, continue in the faith, established and steadfast, and not shifting away from the hope of the good news that you heard, which was preached to all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. I cannot imagine my life without Christ anymore. There's no turning back. And I think that's true for all of you. Um, And I dare say that if I was put to the point where it was death, you know, Christ and death or life without him, I would choose death. And there are millions of bodies that testify to that. In fact, I didn't know this, but I was doing a little research for Halloween's coming up, this massive holiday. And do you know that Halloween was originally in the church, All Saints Day, Hallows Eve, and it was a celebration, a remembrance of the martyrs of Christianity? I think we could transform Halloween back to that as we remember the blood that has been spilt for the for the gospel, for the truth, you know, instead of this devilish celebration of death itself. All right. Uh, verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings on your behalf and I'm taking my turn to complete in my flesh what is lacking in regards to the afflictions of Christ. I do this for the sake of his body, which is the church. I strongly suggest that you read the commentary on this. I, I don't have time to get into it too deep today, but it is just fantastic, the explanation of these verses. Uh, 
I do this for the sake of his body, which is the church of which I became a minister in accordance with the administration of God that was given to me for you in order to make fully known the word of God, the sacred secret that has been hidden from ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his holy ones. God had a secret. God wanted to make known to them what is the riches of the glory of his this sacred secret among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, Christ in you, Christ in you. Remember hearing that for the first time? I think it's one of the reasons why I love this epistle so much. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And uh, I think John Lynn did an, uh, an amazing job when he explained that what this means is that Christ, Jesus Christ could only be in one place at one time, right? He could only be down on the on the corner of Fifth and Main in Jerusalem. Couldn't be over, you know, the other side of town. But what God has done is that he has diversified Christ. So each one of us has the power and the the potential of Christ in us. Everywhere we stand, that is where Jesus could be standing. Think of that power. I mean, we just read about the authority and the fullness and the completeness of Christ. That same completeness is in you. You don't need anything else other than to believe it. Verse 23, we proclaim him Christ in you, we proclaim him, admonishing everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we can present everyone mature in Christ. And I am laboring for that goal, striving in accord with his working that works powerfully in me. First Timothy, I think it's First Timothy says, oh, God wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So we preach Christ crucified and resurrected for salvation, preach him as Lord and resurrected for salvation, and we preach Christ in you to those who are, you know, already saved, so that we can see them coming to a knowledge of this truth and fulfilling this truth in their lives. Christ in you. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 2, Indeed, I want you to know how much I am striving on your behalf and for those at Laodicea, and for as many as who have not seen my face in the flesh, so that their hearts will be encouraged, being knit together in love, and with a view to having all the riches of the full assurance that comes from understanding, and with a view to having the knowledge of the sacred secret of God, Christ, in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. All the treasures, all of them. Do you need anything more? No. (laughs) No, you don't. Notice that Paul was striving, working hard. This was his full-time occupation. Got out of bed early, got the job done. We should be exhorted to do the same. And whatever ministry that may be, I mean, not all of us are the chosen apostle to the Gentiles who received the revelation of the sacred secret. Absolutely not. But you know, there are things in your community, in your orbit that you can do. Verse four, I say this so that no one misleads you with arguments that sound so reasonable. For although I am absent in the flesh, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing and seeing your good order and the steadfastness of your trust in Christ. Now, this isn't some kind of spiritual out of body. What do they call that? I can't even I don't even know what they call that craziness. 
This is just pull. You know, we're we're all pianos tuned to the same tuning fork, right? We're a symphony. We're all working together because we have one Lord and one faith and one baptism and one God and Father. Verse 6, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, walk in Him. It's a done deal. You have it. Now just walk in it. Do it. Having been firmly rooted and now are being built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with thanksgiving. See to it, verse 8, that no one takes you captive through empty, deceitful philosophy that is according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells, in a bodily manner, all the fullness of what God is. And you have been given that fullness in union with Him, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Again, we have it. It's a done deal. You don't need anything more. In Him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So, if that body of flesh is is circumcised off, then count it circumcised. It's gone. Having been buried together with him in baptism, in union with him, you were also raised together with him through trust in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Dead to sin, Romans says, raised again to life and righteousness in Christ Jesus. Verse 13, and you, when you were dead, due to your transgressions and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having wiped clean the certificate of indebtedness that was against us, which was hostile to us by means of the regulation, and he has taken it away, having nailed it to the cross, having stripped the rulers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them leading them as captives in a triumphal procession in connection with Christ. Evelyn was talking about her niece and this whole, you know, identity crisis that she's having. And I was thinking about this, you know, how the devil is a counterfeiter. He's a counterfeiter. He has nothing original of his own. All he does is take what God has done and just twist it and mutate it and turn it into some abomination, a lie. And, you know, as far as identity goes, the true identity of a person that God wants them to seek is the identity that we have in and with Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of whether you're a man or a woman or cis or trans or no, it's all just the devil's counterfeit. What we're looking for, we want an identity Christ in you. That's an identity. That's what we want to push for. And in Christ, we have fullness. We have completeness. We have authority. We have dead to sins and alive to righteousness. We have the circumcision of the flesh gone. It's dead. Therefore, verse 16, let no one judge you with respect to food and drink or with respect to a feast day or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things to come, but the reality is Christ. Don't let people judge you for your righteous beliefs, for the truth that you know. Don't let them come to you and say, well, you need, that's all well and good, but you need to, you know, do this, that, or the other. No, the only thing you need to do is to 
you know, live up to the, the, the fullness of God in Christ in you. That's what you need to do. Verse 18, let no one disqualify you from the prize by delighting in false humility and the worshiping of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen puffed up without cause by his fleshy mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body being supported and held together by the ligaments and sinews grows with a growth that is from God, the head, hold on to the head, look to the head. He's the head, not you, not Franco, not me, not the Pope, not Billy Graham. Jesus Christ is the head. He's the authority. He's the top dog. We don't have to be striving to be number one. We have number one, Jesus The Lord Jesus Christ is the head, and we all work for him. And he's the one that distributes to us the ministries and the giftings. Doesn't, you know, just because somebody can teach, doesn't make them any better than somebody who's at home in private praying. It's Jesus who sets those up, and he's number one. Verse 20, since you died with Christ to the elemental spirits of the world, why do you submit to regulations as if you were still living in the world? That's a great question. Why would we do that? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. All these regulations refer to things that are destroyed with use because everything in this world is going to be wiped away. It's going to be burnt up and there's a new world coming, a new heaven, a new earth. All these regulations refer to things that are destroyed with use based as they are on human commandments and doctrines. Although regulations of this kind have a reputation for wisdom due to their self-imposed rituals and false humility and half-hash treatment of the body, they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Anything outside of Christ, any kind of attempt of holiness or righteousness outside of Christ results in one of two things. Either you try it and you fail miserably, or you try it and you replace one set of sinful behaviors with a new set of sinful behaviors. You know, how many um, terrible alcoholics find Christ and get born again and then turn into religious zealots that just, you know, anytime they see a, a sip of alcohol taken, they, ah, sir, you know, they're beating you over their head with their, their past lives. There's a wonderful chapter in the book, uh, One God, One Lord, that I, I suggest you read talking about it's entitled the rise of piety and it talks about you know this idea that grew in the church about you know if you're going to be a christian you got to be you know this pious meek poor suffering human being and uh you know i i I meet so many people that are you know shocked that a christian like me i mean my behavior is 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 a hopefully a balance between the freedom that I have in Christ, but also the dedication to, you know, living the holy life that he has called me to. But this whole idea that you got to be some kind of pious nun, you know, that business is just, it's, it's false humility that has absolutely no ability to restrain the flesh. We don't need any of that. Verse one of chapter three, since then you were raised with Christ Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What are we looking at? What are we going after? What are we seeking? Think about the things that are above, not Uh the things that are on the earth. For you died and your life has been hidden with Christ in God. 
But when Christ, your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It's your mind. You get to choose what you think about, despite what the general opinion of the world is. You get to make the choice. So choose to think about the things of Christ. And if you do, you will see them come start to manifest in your life. Verse 5, therefore, is another choice. Put to death the parts of you that are earthly, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. I was thinking about this list. Does this list sound like what's going on in the world today? Let me read it again to you. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Does that sound like the five o'clock news to you? Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Not only is the world still the, the same before, because, you know, it's still the same problem, which is sin. The solution is still the same. And no matter how bad it might seem out there, it's nothing new. You know, look what's going on in Israel right now. Everybody's shocked. Oh, it's the end times. It's the end times. Do you know that the Romans marched into Israel, into Jerusalem around 44 AD and burnt the place to the ground, tore the temple down? How do you think the, the Christians in Rome felt when they heard that news? Probably a lot like what we're feeling now when we, you know, turn on the news and hear what's going on in Israel. But it's nothing new. And the solution is still the same. People need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Six, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. Justice of God, it grinds slowly, but it grinds finally. There will be vengeance for this evil that's going on. But now, verse 7, in these things you too once walked, once passed, tense, when you were living in them. But now you too must put away all these things, anger, rage, malice, defaming speech, obscene talk out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, you know, as if this stuff doesn't still plague us. We need to talk to each other and be honest with each other. Since you stripped off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self that is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, non-Greek, Scythian, savage, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Again, back to Christ. Therefore, as God's holy and beloved chosen ones, put on compassionate mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. If anyone has a complaint against another, just as the Lord forgave you, so you also must forgive. Lack of forgiveness is a plague in our society today. And if you have a problem forgiving people, then just remember what Christ has forgiven you for. And above all these things, verse 14, put on love, which is the bond of completeness, and let the peace of Christ be the umpire in your hearts. For indeed, you were called as one body to this peace and always be thankful. Let the peace of Christ be the umpire. The peace that we have through Christ with God, which comes back to God in Christ in you. Let that be the umpire. And when you find yourself drifting off, the umpire should be throwing yellow flag. Bring your mind back to the peace of Christ. Verse 16, let 
That's a decision. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom and singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Songs, music, you know, the right kind of music can have the best kind of effects. We have to develop a lifestyle of God-inside-mindedness. You know, some days I go to work and I I don't think about God for eight hours and I walk out of there and turn on the radio and the Christian radio stations on and I'm like, wow, where's my mind been? Bring it back. Bring it back to the reality, the spiritual reality of God in Christ in you always. And, you know, and just whatever you've got to do to get these memory keys in your life, you know, the clothes that you wear and the the pictures on the wall in your house, and the music that's on the radio, and the people you hang out with, right? You know, that whole idea of praying before you have a meal. Every time you put something in your mouth, you think about the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, isn't isn't that so profitable for us to remember what we already have so that we can live it out? Because that's what it comes down to. Devil's always trying to distract you from the truth that you know. Verse 18, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is proper in the Lord. Again, the standard in the Lord. What's proper in the Lord? Your husband tells you that we need to go rob a bank. That don't cut it. You know, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Men, children, obey your parents in all things. Where's Gianni? Is he listening to this? For this is pleasing in the Lord. Father, do not provoke your children so that they will not become discouraged. Servants, obey your earthly masters in all things, not only to win their approval when they are watching you, but with a sincere heart fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work from the depths of your soul as for the Lord and not for people, because you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as a reward. So serve the Lord Christ. I mean, this isn't just about what you have now, but also about what you potentially can receive in the future, because there are eternal rewards at stake here, Uh, because some Christians will go through the fire and suffer loss. Other Christians will feel shame at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that mar the body of Christ will be punished, the Word says. So, you know, there's there's a, a lot more here than just some rainbow and unicorn, you know, feel good at the day of, day of, of the Lord. Um, we have to make an accounting for what we did with what we have received. Verse 25, for the one who does wrong will be paid back for what he did wrong, and there is no partiality with the Lord. Masters, treat your servants righteously and fairly, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. 4, chapter 2, we're at the end here. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. You see this stuff on the news, you hear about the crap that's going on in the community, the, the problems in your family, attack it with prayer. And I always like to be on the attack prayer. That's your weapon. That's the sword of the Spirit, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying is the next word in Ephesians 6 there. 
at the same time, also be praying for us that God will open to us a door for the word so that we can speak the sacred secret of Christ on account of which I am imprisoned. Pray that I make it clear as it is necessary for me to speak. You know, and Paul was the chosen apostle. He was out there, but we certainly can pray that for our lives too, that we have opportunities to make known the sacred secret of Christ, whether it's for salvation, Jesus, Lord, and resurrected, or for those who maybe do not are born again, but do not know the sacred secret, which would, you know, be the vast majority of Christianity today. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the most, making the most of your opportunities. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you know how you are to respond to each person. This is a practice that gets better with use. The more you get out there speaking the word, dealing with people, living this life, the more seasoned you will become. You know, the battle-hardened veteran, the, you know, the, the guy that's been in the league for 15 years. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, will make known to you all things about me. I am sending him to you for this very reason, so that you will know how we are doing and so that he can encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, the faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will make known to you all the things that are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you receive commands. If he comes to you, welcome him. That's a great study, by the way. Take a look at what happened with John Mark and who he is and his redemptive story. And Jesus, who is called Justice, not that Jesus, this other Jesus. There are These are the only ones from the circumcision who are my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. And Paul makes this point because, you know, the Judea, Judean Christians were spreading false information already. You know, Paul isn't even dead yet. And already we've got false doctrine creeping into the church to the point that Paul has to point out that these Judeans are the guys that, you know, you can listen to. The other ones, kind of give them the side eye a bit. Check them out before you buy into what they're selling. Verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. He is always striving for you in his prayers. Is that word striving again? Labor, pushing yourself, do the work, praying that you stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Indeed, I can testify about him that he works very hard for you and for those in Laodicea and for those at Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, and so does Demas. Greet the brothers and sisters who are at Laodicea and Nympha, the church, and the church that is in her house. Her house. Do you know how much conversation online there is about the controversy of female pastors? Like 50% of the population, for some reason, God is excluded? Ridiculous. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read among the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And a lot of scholars believe that's referring to Ephesians, the book, the, the letter of Ephesians. And, uh, you know, if you want to do something fun today, go read the book of Ephesians after reading this one. It's pretty cool. And say to Archippus, see to it that you fulfill the assignment that you have received in the Lord. Put that on Becco Paget on my wall. <laughs> Receive the assignment that you have 
Well, fulfill the assignment that you have received from the Lord. What assignment have you received? Do you know what your assignment is? I bet a lot of you have a good idea. Been around for a while. Get out there and do it. This greeting is written by my own hand, Paul. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you all. And that is the end of the letter to the Colossians. Amen. You bring beauty from my pain, it's never wasted. But if I never see the promise on this side of the grave, my hope might be shaken, but my faith will never break. Because I